Rapids fans, this is Holding the High Line with Rabbi in Red. My name is Matt Pollard, and it is Monday, February 13th, 2023. Happy Valentine's Day, I guess. Uh, The Rapids drew the Lions in the only sporting event that truly mattered over the weekend in North America. The new secondary kit is coming. I have seen it, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And we are just 12 sleeps away at time of recording from the start of the 2023 MLS regular season. I'm joined now by a man who is ready for Europa League and MLS chaos, Rabbi Mark Goodman. It's so good to see you, Matt, and he happens to be wearing the kit. So I won't say too much because I think... We um we do not want to wet wet your appetites, but I'll just say it really simply. Me likey. Yes. Um, for those of you who are wondering, listening, Rabbi, let's get in trouble here. Um, it's a blackish, whitish, burgundyish, bluish, greenish, brown color, roughly. <laughs> um, so, uh, let's see. What, what can I get away with saying, Rabbi? It's not claret and cobalt. How about that? Okay, that's that. That's good enough. Um, I like the design and the overall color and the aesthetics behind it listeners i love the messaging and the symbolism and everything that comes behind it and what the club's going to be doing with the kit in terms of initiatives and things in the community if you had asked me before even seeing it just based on some of the brief stuff that the club's put out how would i feel vis-a-vis the class 5 kit which we'll remember from a distance was kind of a plain light green obviously when you got up close and you saw the uh, contour lines the topo maps if you will as an engineer and someone in stem i loved that as an engineer if you look at the message that it had behind the class five and the education about uh environmental awareness and about environmental stewardship particularly around the 14ers initiative and around our public uh, accessible natural places in colorado i loved the message behind it i wore it for almost every single independent interview that i did and every single time somebody asked about it and i was super educational anyone listening from rapids pr i basically could have been the spokesman for the class five kit and everything i love the messaging and the symbolism behind the secondary kit for this year i did not think that was possible if you'd asked me i would have said they probably do something that's more bomb from a design standpoint and then they work some symbolism and some connection to the community as well in the back of it and overall i like that this one is flipped for that the rapids from a design standpoint mark almost did it from an opposite standpoint they came with an idea and a message behind it and then got to design rather than reverse um Listeners, if you've been following me on Twitter from like 2014, it you might be able to connect some dots as to what initiative or public something other is with there as well. But I love it. I can't wait for the actual launch. I think Rapids fans are going to really respond to it in a positive way. Rabbi, I can tell you the players have really, really liked it as well. So this is going to be fantastic. There's going to be a lot of other stuff. It will be there will have there will be a presence listeners at Dick Sporting Goods Park, even for obviously the vast majority, if not all of the games this season at Dick Sporting Goods Park in which the Rapids are wearing burgundy and blue that this is going to be here. You're going to see it. This isn't just a kit for two years and then they put out some stuff and try and sell as many as possible. 
I'm really thrilled with it, Rabbi. I don't know. You tell me as a person who obviously hasn't had all the information. Me wearing it. Okay, Rabbi, does the new Colorado Rapids 2023 secondary kit make me look fat? <laughs> Nothing makes you look fat, Matt. You spend every weekend climbing a mountain or going skiing. You're uh, as fit as a fiddle and as handsome as the, as uh, as uh, Marcelo Balboa doing a bicycle kick. Oh, uh, I don't know if that's possible. You're a dead sexy man, and there's nothing we can do about it. You are you are the 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 second best redhead in Rapids history behind Jeff Lorenowitz himself. I'm beating Ollie LaRoz in that regard. I will take that to the bank personally, Rabbi. Well, um, I've known you longer than Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I will. I will also say, listeners, that obviously I have, I have not seen uh, – Rabbi, we, I think we talk about this every single time we get into a jersey fashion standpoint. There's the question of what does the kit look like on the supporter with like jeans or chinos, like wearing at the bar, wearing with shorts on a really hot you know, afternoon game in the middle of July. What does that look like? There's the shirt in a vacuum. There's the shirt with the rest of the kit, and there's it up close versus obviously at a distance. So how does the, t- how does the shirt look close up in person five yards away or for a close-up uh media shot versus how does it look when you've got the wide pan zoom and it's 11 guys on the field but maybe you don't notice the necessary intricate details i don't know from what i've seen from the kit or what i would guess because obviously i haven't seen the rapids wear it in 11 v 11 from the wide shot at the top of the at the top of the stairs uh, on the concourse at dicks um i would say that probably overall in those three regards the kit's probably solid i don't know rabbi in a vacuum it gets an a in any one of those three categories but I should say very obvious, listeners, the two things we say here at HTHL, don't be boring in the exact same thing that all the other MLS teams are rolling out. Don't be the one kit everybody is dunking on. The Rapids are very, very far away from both of those. Two thumbs up as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, the two worst things you could be is pick a color scheme or uh, a design that looks like a horrible accident was made. Um, the, the, the best I can think of is I think it was Columbus a few years ago that somehow made it look like someone had urinated on their kits. Like it had, it had like a pea stain kind of quality to it. Um, and then the other thing, and this was just tweeted out uh, today as a reminder, was the year that um, Chicago Fire redid their uh, logos so that they had the weird kind of alien... Um, uh, the, the red and yellow KKK hats is what it reminded me of, Rabbi. Yeah, but... But the, this was this I had forgotten and blocked out. But the same year they did that, they rolled out a plain white T over that. So it was it was a bad logo, and then they went white. And you can go white and be classic and be cool. Like I never minded the Rapids white kit because it had some nice striping and it was it was fine. But it, it you know the one that Chicago did, it was just white. There was nothing to it. It was just a white kit with uh, with the hourglass on it and it was really really bad and so i'll just say that like it's not painfully boring um it doesn't look like horrible acts like a horrible industrial accident i think it was really good all around i I just think that uh that that it, it it has a good look to it so all right uh rabbi shall we get into it then let's go um, so there's a few bits of news from uh, preseason, Rabbi. Where would we like to would we like to start with? To the extent that we can pontificate about a preseason friendly that we got the scoreline for, but uh, got the lineups and when substitutions happen, Rabbi. But got what a total of one minute of highlights of the two goals that happens, Rabbi. Do we care about? The Colorado Rapids 2-2 draw with Orlando City over the weekend in which Cole Bassett scored assists from 
Michael Barrios, and then a hockey assist, secondary assist from Diego Rubio. Diego Rubio then draws a penalty and then scores on that penalty. And then in the 75th minute, Robin Frazier rotates out the team, effectively a bench rapids team as well. And they give up two goals before the 90 minutes are out against Orlando. Rabbi, what can we draw from this? What should Rapids fans care about this? Does it have any meaning whatsoever? I mean, we didn't lose 10 to nothing to a starting team. Um, I, I, me and, and Joe Samuelson were kind of pontificating about how um, Cole Bassett scored a goal, not as a late arriver in the box, but rather as like on the front foot, you know, kind of first guy attacking. But like, I think it would be dumb to try and say like, oh, they're going to use Bassett in a different position or, oh, Bassett's going to be tactically, you know, bringing some nuance to the table. Like, we don't know anything. We saw like four, four seconds of highlight. We can't really understand what it is. So it's nice that they didn't embarrass themselves. Uh, we haven't learned much. You probably, because you actually are paying more attention to this, Matt, could probably derive more from the lineups. Like, uh, for instance, you noticed who's not in the lineup anymore, who's not playing anymore. And you probably also noticed who started and who didn't. Was was there anything out of that that tipped you off to anything or gave you any any conclusions? Yeah, so let's look at that, Rabbi. I'll run down the starting 11 as the Rapids have posted. Um, Danny Wilson, Lull, Sabubakar, um, Stephen Batisher, and Keegan Rosenberry in defense. William Yarbrough was obviously in goal. It was Bassett, Price, and Ronan in the middle three. I'm assuming a 4-3-3 based on personnel, folks. Rabbi, we could have a whole discussion about what we think is going on there. And if Frazier (laughs) is somehow rolling out something tactically that we're not expecting, that's definitely going to surprise the the Sounders on the 26th, and then it would have been Michael Barrios, Sam Nicholson, and presumably Diego Rubio up top. At halftime, we had the substitution of Brian Acosta and Ralph Prizo. This was, I believe, the first week, folks, of Connor Ronan being in with the team, so he's probably not, he's not at altitude in Mexico fit in the way that the rest of his teammates are, so that kind of makes sense. And then in the 75th minute, you would have had subs including Calvin Harris, A. Broden goal, Anthony Markanich, Michael Edwards, Brian Galvan, Darren Yapi, Kevin Cabral, and Moise Bombito. Of that group, Mark, really other than Kevin Cabral, Maybe Galvan, depending on what position he comes in for it at. I feel pretty confident in saying Bambito, Yapi, Edwards, Markanich, Abrod, Calvin Harris, not the preferred starting 11 for Robin Frazier relative to who ultimately started the game. So, Rabbi, I increasingly feel to start the season that it's going to be Diego Rubio in a false nine, given the depth and options and different types of personnel that Robin Frazier has in the midfield. He almost has, um, if we're excluding all the Ross, who we'll get to in a minute, you could argue with Rubio and Galvan counted as potential central midfielders in that three. He's got seven or eight guys that could start in there. That is a full Batman utility belt of different skill sets. So then it would make sense to have Diego Rubio as the false nine, and then can Yapi or Calvin Harris or potentially Kevin Cabral playing at his second most comfortable position work their way into that position that makes sense in the long term as well. And then, Rabbi, I've gotten with some of the things that I've written and tweeted and then the lineup that I put out a couple weeks ago before Gershbach signed, some people were giving me crap thinking it was Harris going to be up top. I increasingly think, if anything, it's that's Darren Yappi's position. I think the fact that Calvin Harris can play anywhere in that front three and Yappi mm. pretty much exclusively is a number nine might simplify that decision-making process for Woldy Harris and for Robin Frazier. But that's kind of the things that that I'm gauging in folks right now. With the exception of the new international acquisitions, which obviously have just been with the team 
for a week. Um, it would have been uh, Max Sue and Ronan folks right now as we speak, as we are recording, are in Orlando. Um, I haven't gotten confirmation on Gershback as of last weekend. He was still dealing with visa stuff. My understanding is sometime before the end of this week, he's probably in with the team. So possibly available for, uh, possibly in market and available for that friendly against the Miami FC. I have a hard time believing he wouldn't be in market and available for the friendly against Philadelphia Union. But other than those two assumptions, I would assume Wilson and Abubakar are still the best options at center back. Ronan, Price, and Bassett in uh, the midfield. And then right now, Cabral somewhere in those front three along with Rubio. And then Barrios and Nicholson are making up the numbers in that regard. But that honestly, Rabbi, is the big thing that I see outside of what obviously we've seen, which is a Rapids B team gave up two goals to Orlando Hmm. City in a home game at Exploria Stadium. Crimea River, uh, and then the fact that Bassett continues be- to be goal Bassett in preseason is a positive influence for me. Rubio continues to be dangerous, and while he did not score in this game, we've seen, for, and what we've heard from Rabbi, is that Kevin Cabral looks the part, and as I wrote about uh, in our media availability we had with Robin Frazier last week, he is fitting the persona. There are many aspects, Rabbi, that I am increasingly bullish and optimistic about of how the Rapids are setting up how they're handling things in preseason, and the mentality of everybody. As Robin Frazier put it to the media last week, folks, uh, this expletive ain't happening again. And the players have come in with that same mindset. Uh, Rabbi, I just, I mean, we'll spoil it right now. I think the Rapids are making the playoffs. There's no question about that for me. Oh, that's that's a, that's a great, bold call to make and a lot of a lot of attitude to come in with things. Uh, I'm really appreciating uh, the energy, the verve. Um, Matt, any uh, any other things that you noticed? Um, I just had a, a question about uh, a name that I didn't hear you mention. Two names I didn't hear you mention are uh, Abraham Rodriguez and Jackson Travis. Did they make the team sheet in any way? Did they uh, did they play at all in that match? Uh, yes. So Abrod was part of the line change, if you will, that happened in the 70th minute. So I would assume the two goals against were against Abrod. Um, I should say, Mark, uh, the Rapids Academy and U17 USMNT player uh, Bienemy, um w- uh, got a clean sheet for the U17s uh, down there in Beaudry. Beaudry, excuse me. Um, uh, got a clean sheet down there. Um, I was watching that game with Joseph Samuelson earlier today, so certainly positive on the academy goalkeeper front for the Rapids. Uh, but Mark, we can confirm at this point, Ishmael Jome, former Minnesota United defender, question mark, who was brought in as a possible left-back center-back option for the Rapids in preseason. He is no longer with the team, nor is second-round draft pick uh, goalkeeper out of Marshall, Sim Liu. He is no longer with the team, and there's been rumblings, Mark, that there's uh, multiple USL championship clubs that are interested in him as well. I would anticipate, folks, they are not with the Rapids. If the Rapids are getting a uh, are getting a third goalkeeper, folks, it will not be Sim Liu. It might be another European goalkeeper who's been bandied about on Twitter. But those two and also, Mark, um, the uh, Colorado Rapids, too, are at the Bradenton um, IMG Academy. So, Technically, a suburb of Tampa rather than in Orlando proper. And Ali Raz and Jackson Travis have both joined Rapids 2 in preseason over the course of the next couple of weeks. If any more wow. long-term moves are going to happen, that is going to be made in the next couple of weeks. So if there's more cuts of you're clearly not ready to start the season with um, – uh, with the first team, it'd be 
best for you to, at the very least, start those first two games of the MLS Next Pro season. I imagine that news will happen between now and like next Friday before we officially get a travel or a team sheet published for what's going on for the Seattle game. Mark, not too surprised at Jackson Travis. He was obviously hurt most of last year. He had some decent moments for Rapids too. He's, what, 16, 17 years old. He was going to be there. Rabbi, what do we make of Ali Raz, who's been more embedded with the first team going down with R2 before Ralph Prizo or someone else? Jackson Travis turns 19 in about 40 days, um, and Ali Raz is uh, just a shade over 21. He'll be tw- turning 22 this year. I think those are to be expected. Uh, I, I, you know, I think we've been talking, and I might have written already about Laraz almost certainly playing for uh, Rapids two all this year. Um, you know, he's got a long climb back in the sense that he was missing most of last year with a broken leg. Um, he didn't really get to play a lot the year before that, so. He's really kind of like experiencing a sophomore year several years late. Uh, and he should kind of play this year without too much pressure on him. The odds that he sticks with the Rapids for next year aren't super great because he really would have to do some amazing things in Rapids too to get the like midseason promotion followed by, you know, a long-term contract. According to my records, his contract is up at the end of this year too. So that's where LaRoz is at. Travis is in a much different position since... Um, he's signed through 2025. There's no pressure on him. He's just out to develop. He can just show up and do his thing. Um, and Abrod, I also think the pressure is lesser in the sense that I believe he's also likely to uh, expire this year contract-wise. But I do think that he is in a position where he's carved out a role, um, first of all, because goalkeepers develop late. In the event that he doesn't pan out with the Rapids this year for whatever reason, it might be for the best uh, if he goes on to a USL team or goes to Europe or Central America and gets to apply his trade as a number one. Um, I've always wondered with all goalkeepers how valuable it is to be a bench player backup um, when you know you, you probably could develop your skills and and get a little bit more between the pipes experience by dropping down a level and being the number one, but you never really know. So that that's my take on those three guys, which is I don't expect to see any of them really play regular minutes for the first team. And I don't think that's a bad thing for any of their developments. Um, the flip side of that is uh, Anthony Markanik, who I very much like. He's 23. He's in a contract year. Also, I do think he would be a very viable backup left back um, for this team. We'll see whether the Rapids prefer to use him as starting left back, a backup left back, um, or kind of drop him down to Rapids too, considering they have Gerst back in camp. Um, they have Steven Betashore as a left back option. And then, of course, um, Brian Galvan might be the actual left back if they wind up going with more of a wing back situation in a 5-3-2. But, you know, we, we, that's probably the most mysterious position on the team or we're just really not sure what's going to happen. I think the de facto position is, well, they they went out and they spent the money to go get a guy from Europe. They must be starting him. But I do want to caution against that, since I think we all thought that about Max Alves, and Max Alves turned out to be basically uh, a, a a really flashy, dribbly bench player at this point. 
Yes, uh, Max, who did not feature in this game, Mark. Maybe we'll see if he plays against Miami FC. I should point out, I asked Robin about him, what, last week, maybe two weeks ago now, um, about uh, how Max was doing, and he said mentality was really good. He seems to have a much better understanding of what's expected of him, what the club league looks like, what living in America looks like. Apparently, his English has improved much, so especially given, Mark, now that we don't have Andre Shinyashiki to do translation, or at the very least be a, a Portuguese-speaking Brazilian buddy, hey, let's go get some... You you know, let's go get some meat off the bone kind of a situation. <laughs> he seems to fit in better with the team. What his role is, I think, is very valid. As I mentioned, Rabbi, you know, they got seven. Legi- so let's just let's list this out here, Rabbi. Cole Bassett, Connor Ronan, Jack Price. I don't think there's any question those are starting caliber potential players in MLS. Let's throw Max in there. Second year, you know, David Gall's theorem. Uh, Brian Acosta, veteran. We know what he is. We know what his ceiling is, but is still a capable player in this league. That gets us to five. Let's include Gal potent- Galvan potentially centrally at the number 10 as well. Ralph Prizzo, we haven't mentioned. Let's throw out Ali Raz for the moment, given that he's not even with the team right now. And then potentially you've got Diego Rubio at eight as the cam as well, or the in the pocket player as well. Eight guys for, uh, you know, for for three spots and then let's throw out let's say okay Rubio up top to start at Seattle so then he's not in there let's say Galvan more familiar with the system and Robin and maybe Gershbox a little bit late or getting close to fitness or not quite uh still trying to figure out the taxes he's not there even then you've got six guys for three spots I'm not sure the three guys who don't get to start at Seattle those if we're assuming right now for me at least Brian Acosta Ralph Prizzo Max, I'm not sure all three of those guys are even on the extended bench that you have for Seattle. I'm not sure that it's not worthwhile to have a center back, to have right. Gershbach on the bench. If Max Sue's not able to start, maybe he's in there. Certainly both Calvin Harris and Darren Yappi, if they're not starting up top. A Sam Nicholson, give you could throw in him in a couple different places. There's a lot of competition for spots, which is a really good problem to have, Mark. It's a whole new complication for Robin Frazier and that coaching staff relative to where they were last year, where it's like, okay, Brian Acosta, uh, I, I Max you're starting because you don't have a better option and Colin Warner we're paying you we might as well have you in there as well because there's nobody else who's even fit uh go try and make it work at uh at Portland and don't get completely overrun spoiler alert listeners narrator they got overrun at Portland last year yeah um uh, to that last point Matt um which is like gee I don't know what they're gonna do if they have six center back center center midfielders and only they only put you know, three in the starting lineup and two on the bench. Like someone gets like, can you imagine how it would feel if Max doesn't make the 18 or Brian Acosta doesn't make the make the 18? Well, folks, the primary MLS transfer window runs from January 31st to Monday, April 24th. So if the Rapids are in a position where they've got a, a, a player who's not really playing and doesn't really seem to fit in anywhere, um, that's the time to maybe make a move and put them onto a team where they might have an impact. One other thing that I'll bring up, Mark, to your point about maybe the guys who are the tweeners, the Abrods, and other teams as well, I wonder if at what point in the season, and maybe not to start the year necessarily, does there does there come to be a point of the conversation where Robin, Fran Taylor, maybe Pork Smith get in on it and say, we know this guy isn't going to start or play that much for the first team. Is there a value in having them start? 
uh, train regularly with the first team, play with Rapids 2 versus is there a legitimate, you know, high quality USL championship team that would want them out on loan and everything. Don't get me wrong. Abrod probably still will get a lot of practice and shot stopping with Rapids 2, potentially with how this year goes. But I I think Ali Laraz, <laughs> with what he's shown in MLS, I think Ali Laraz is better than I, – I don't know that it's a productive year to have Ali Laraz play 2,000, 2,500 minutes in – in MLS Next Pro. If it's that, if it's 2,000 and then he's able to get 500 bench minutes combined for the MLS team, not necessarily exclusively in MLS play, I could be talked into that. But I have to think, Mark, at some point, if it comes to that point in the conversation, I have to think there's a team that's planning to compete for a home playoff game in the USL Championship that would be like, yeah, we'll take, we'll, we'll pick up half of Mike Edwards' pay that he has from the new contract that he has with the Rapids in order to have him be one of our three starting caliber center backs. And I have to wonder when do those conversations and those offers start to come through? Because while Rapids 2 were not good this year, I think there's enough guys that are noticeable in a number standpoint are away, are, are down the depth chart for Rapids 1 that would that uh, that would be very very good would be an impact player for Rapids too but that might not be the most productive year for them to start the season or certainly them to finish the season just a few things to think about but we'll see what happens last thing that I want to say given we just got done talking about center backs Mark I want to hand out a very sincere get well soon we believe in you from holding the high line with Rabbi in red to Courtney Ford it was announced on Friday by Sporting Kansas City that in a preseason scrimmage court had torn his Achilles and is likely to miss the majority, if not all, of the 2023 season. Court's been a fantastic individual and human being, given the story between him and his mom, what he did with the Rapids Academy, with DU, and then obviously the various numbers of knee injuries that he had throughout his time with the Rapids that ultimately saw him move along from the club and have another major injury, albeit has not be the same recurring injury that he has had, is something extremely difficult to happen. Mark, as we're familiar with, with Achilles injuries, uh, you know, it, it's random. It's not necessarily specific to the way that you train. It's not something that happens inherently to younger players or older players. It just randomly goes for no reason. And once it goes, you've got a lot of time that, you know, has to happen from a recovery standpoint in order to get back. And there's only so many people who can tear their Achilles, stand up on their own, hit two free throws and walk off the court. I don't hold anything against court forward for the way that he might have exited the field for Peter Vermees' side. And I hope that we see him back, Mark. I hope he's able to make it back for hopefully a, uh, an MLS Cup playoff berth for Sporting Kansas City as they improve. And as long as he doesn't get a clean sheet against the Rapids or a goal against the Rapids, I'd be happy with that. Nice. Yeah, I, I concur. Um, Court Ford is a good dude. We hope that he gets back <clears throat> healthy and gets back to playing professional soccer. He's had a, a start-stop uh, career the last couple of years, both with injury um, and with getting traded to a new team. So... Uh, hopefully he settles in and, and finds some kind of regularity going forward. Listeners, next week we'll do a proper preview of Seattle Sounders and the season as a whole from an individual standpoint, uh, individual player standpoint, but we're going to reprise a series that we've done a few times on this podcast going back a couple years, and that is Rabbi and I asking each other 11 questions that will ultimately determine the outcome of the 2023 Colorado Rapids season. Mark, I made up the questions and sent them to you earlier today. You then asked me if I wanted the odd ones or the even ones, and we decided to, in a fun way, flip a coin. Rabbi, I 
have torn through my drunk drawer and my coin drawer, and I have found a United States penny from guess what year? 1950? Not 1950, no. 96. Uh, the other year very significant and valuable to Rapids fans. 2010. 2010. So All I have right. a coin right here. Rabbi, I am going to flip it. I'm going to ask you to call it in the air, and then if you're right, you get to uh, choose uh, to defer to the evens or take the ball first with the odds. Does that sound good? Done. Okay, so here's the flip. A heads. It is heads. Rabbi, you have, just like uh, a certain NFL team in the AFC West who we will not mention, uh, you have won the toss, Rabbi. Would you like even or odd of the questions that I sent earlier today? Uh, All right. Well, I really like question three. So so I'm going to take the odds, which means, unfortunately, I have to go first, but that's okay by me. So I so here now, fans, I am kicking off, well, I guess in the American football sense, I am kicking off to you to receive, Rabbi. In the soccer sense, you are taking the ball and receiving. So on that note, a player who could be kicking off the ball for the first time for the Rapids to kick off the first second against Seattle Sounders. Mark, how will Kevin Cabral do in 2023? He was disappointing and a poor finisher for the LA Galaxy. Is that something that we'll see again? Can he, as a designated player for the Rapids, be the biggest revenge? of the Distressed Assets FC player yet. What is a successful goals plus assist total for Kevin in 2023? Ooh, uh, it is a super great question, and I am very excited that I get to answer it. Um, so the question with Kevin Cabral is whether his time with the Galaxy was a fluke or an indicator of who he is and and what he's going to be going forward into this coming year. Um, Because I feel like they, they, they made a choice. They made, they made a very definitive, exciting kind of move, um, which I think really could be a good decision for this team um, if it comes good, but it's a, it's on some level, it's a low risk, high reward move. um, If you're thinking financially, but on the other hand, you're probably making promises to the player about how much they're going to play, considering how much he's getting paid and, and who he is. So Kevin Cabral had a rough year last year in Major League Soccer, where he missed uh, more often than your average um, player at his position. He, um, he really is the kind of player who really creates um, a lot of opportunities, both with his speed and his dribbling ability. But because he creates a lot, I think folks expect him to finish a lot. And I don't know that that's been really what he uh, has brought to the table um, up till now. So I, I, this is a long way of saying I have really serious doubts about this acquisition. It felt like a, 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 a buy low move, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. So um I feel like the Kevin Cabral move is um, is is a huge risk, and I'm going to go out on a limb. I hate starting on a negative, Matt. I hate starting in a way where I'm going to be like uh, a ne'er do well and a and a and a, a, a nattering nabob of negativity. But that's where I'm going to start with, which is that um, I think Cabral is probably not going to work out the way the Rapids want to. Um, they're taking a bet here that he's. He's going to do better this year than he did last year with uh, the Galaxy. 
And I think that that's a, a very odd decision, okay? Um, 1,832 minutes as a winger with the Galaxy, 35 shots, one goal on 5.17 expected goals, uh, which is a minus 4.17 GXG number. That's a very high GXG number. Um, that is not the kind of number you want. In fact, there was only one player in all of Major League Soccer who had a worse G minus XG number, and that's Luis Arajo for uh, Atlanta. And I think Arajo, there's still a lot of excitement around him. Um, in addition, he took a lot more shots, um, and he scored more goals. He had four. So I think um, that's one thing. Another thing is Arajo had five assists. Cabral only had three assists. Um, so that's another thing, which is Cabral is a very similar player on that level to Jonathan Lewis. Um, very fast, a very good dribbler, predominantly left-sided, and not really great at finishing. So that's very worrisome for me, right? That's very worrisome for me. That being said, I'm actually going to go high on what I expect him to finish with. I think, so a successful goals plus assist total for a player at a position like that is 15. Right, that's a number. That's that's where you want to be, and I would say five. That validates the DP tag for me, right? And that that mean that would be five goals, ten assists, or ten goals, five assists. Um, and I don't think he's going to get there. I think I think uh, the over. I think he's probably going to be more like eight. Um, and I and that's including that's assuming he gets two thousand or more minutes. So that's my guess on him. I think we're going to call him a minor bust um, at the end of the season. I think he will be disappointing and a poor finisher. Um, I do think that he is a solid player. I just don't. I just think the problem with him is the expectations for him coming in were really high um, with the Galaxy. I don't think he's going to. His price tag means that people are going to expect him to be what the Galaxy expected him to be. I don't think he's going to be that, but he could still be pretty useful. And at eight hundred thousand dollars. Um, which is roughly what the Rapids will be playing for, paying for him next year. Um, I think he'll be uh, adequate, but I don't think he's going to be the savior or the DP-level player that this team was really hoping for. With that, uh, we're going to turn to our next question, and this one is going out to Matt. So now I'm kicking off the ball in the other direction. We've moved on from Kevin Cabral, the big signing, uh, and we're going on to maybe the star of the team. If, if the Colorado Rapids have ever had a star uh, at this point, um, because this is a team that's always been, you know, the star is the club, uh, uh, 11 stars on the field. The question is about Diego Rubio, who scored a boatload of goals last year. An orful, if you will. Can Diego Rubio do better than last year, Matthew? Will he finally get on the all-star team? Was last year as good as he can do? Will he be equal to, better than, or worse than? And finally... What's a successful goals plus assist total for Diego Rubio? Normally, Rabbi, I would start off this question by asking, well, that's based on what position he's playing in. But no, dear listeners, Diego Rubio was extremely effective as a false nine in a front three for the Rapids to start the season last year. And then he proved to be equally goal dangerous and a part of the attack when he got moved to an attacking midfield role upon Giassi Zardes' arrival across his 200, his 2,000, 
445 minutes played. He got 16 goals and seven assists. Uh, that goals total tied a record, club record set by Connor Casey. And obviously his goal contributions, 16 plus seven adds up to 23, if I remember that ma- that math correctly, Rabbi. And that is the best goal contributions total that you've seen from a Rapids player. Bar none, folks, 2022 Diego Rubio was the single best attacking season in Colorado Rapids regular season history. Now, Rabbi, I think, again, he will be equally as effective both as a false nine and as a midfielder. I think with what I mentioned earlier about the two number nines coming in who are a little bit young for the team, possibly Kevin Cabral in certain situations where he can play as more of a Dom Baji direct goal, but a channel shooter rather than a hold up number nine. I think we will see plenty of Diego Rubio in both of these positions throughout the season. I think he can be increasingly effective. My question that I would be asking is... Do other teams now with what they saw last year, is the cat out of the bag on Diego Rubio? Is everyone for sure taking Diego Rubio seriously in ways that Rubio, who got 11 goal contributions, five goals and six assists in just under 1,700 minutes in 2021, are not taking him as seriously? And then in that, do teams build what they're doing defensively around stopping Diego Rubio in ways that you would Emmanuel Reynoso with Minnesota, in ways that you would Carlos Vela with LAFC, and then thinking about... That And then does that create opportunities for other teams? So I think there's a very real possibility, Rabbi, that Diego Rubio has a noticeable fewer number of goals and assists this season, but the team overall is better in an attacking sense, and Rubio is just as dangerous, but it's mostly him drawing in opposing defenders and then getting the ball to somebody else to create very good opportunities for them. So, to answer the questions directly, Rabbi, I do not think that Diego Rubio will top out his 23 goal contributions last season. I think, actually, with one of Darren Yappi or Calvin Harris being very good, I think we'll see Rubio actually end the season in midfield, as opposed to as a false nine for the team. And I actually think given that he could actually get more assists than goals this season. But then my question is, does Rubio get to 15, but then him giving up opportunities for himself gets Cabral to over 10? Do Darren Yappi and Calvin Harris combine for 12 goal contributions? Can Barrios in, let's say, 1,200 minutes off the bench get you five or eight goal contributions? Um, I do think Rubio will finally be an all-star this year, Rabbi. I think it will have to be a coaches or a uh, or a Don Garber commissioner pick to finally say, like, the this is your award for, like, career contributions for what you've done going back to sporting Kansas City from, like, 2018 and finally acknowledging for you to have a proper league all-star team. You have to eventually have a good Rapids player on that team as well. I don't think that he'll be voted in by the fans at all, but I think if anybody's getting on the all-star team, it will be Cabral, not Cabral. It will be Diego Rubio. (laughs) Um, And so he'll be on there um, probably as a substitute, not as a starter, obviously. Mark, give me. Oh, this is so tough. Give me seven goals, nine assists for Diego Rubio on the condition that ultimately him giving up service for him gets Cabral to double digits. And I will say at least uh, I'll say rabbi mm, between Cole Bassett, Brian Galvan, let's say like four or five other guys that get to between five and seven and at least 10 players with five or more goal contributions across that. I think Rubio being the straw that stirs the drink, but ultimately helps other guys get his will be the better in that regard. Diego Rubio will still be LeBroning the Colorado Rapids to the playoffs as well. Or shall I say he's the, this is, this is double doubles assists and rebounds. Nikola Jokic, Diego Rubio that we 
we'll see from Diego Rubio on that. I think I answered all of your questions. With that, Rabbi, let's move on to question number three. We talked earlier about the midfield and uh, Robin Frazier's utility belt. Uh, Rabbi, Robin Frazier has seven, possibly nine plausible starters in midfield. Who plays? What role does everybody have? Uh, will there, uh, they uh, will they ha- be better? They have to be better than last year, right? Mark, I think we know what Jack Price is doing. What else is happening in lay midfield? All right. Uh, it's, it's a good question. It is definitely predicated on which formation the team will use more uh, or which formations the team will use the most of. And back to the previous question of which you started with, which is, will Rubio be mostly deployed as a striker or as a number 10? So I think the Rapids are going to do some sort of uh, split over the season between effectively a 3-4-3 and a 4-3-3, meaning sometimes they'll have two central midfielders and sometimes they'll have three. In a two-central midfielder uh, setup, where Diego Rubio is playing as either a 9 or a false 9, the two ideal uh, midfielders are going to be Cole Bassett and Jack Price. And I think what that means is the two players who are going to get the most minutes next year are Cole Bassett and Jack Price. The, the wild card in that situation, Matt, is what we see from Connor Rowan, right? Rowan is a player who we just don't really know how quickly he's going to adopt uh, Major League Soccer, adapt to Major League Soccer, um, whether he's going to feel rusty, whether his um, physicality and the amount of travel and the altitude are going to wear him down. Now, most players who come from Europe to the United States, uh, usually older players, but even the younger players are really, really not prepared. I mean, remember, if you play in jolly old England, um, you play a couple of games across the London metropolitan area where you hop on a tube and you go across town and you play an away game, right? There's no way to take a subway to an away game in Major League Soccer, uh, with the exceptions of um, Los Angeles, which I have taken the light rail to on multiple occasions, although you can't really take light rail to Carson. You could take an Uber, but I wouldn't recommend it. Um, And you can take a series of rails in the New York metropolitan area. But nonetheless, the Rapids' closest away game is an eight-hour drive, right? It's a lot of busing. And that, that wears on a guy. So I don't know that that's going to do super well for um, for Ronan. Um, that's, that being said, um, you could have a midfield three that's more like Rubio, Bassett, and Price. You could have one that's more like um, Ronan, uh, Price, and Acosta, assuming that Bassett you know, is going to get some rest or he gets pipped by Ronan. Um, the one thing, it was interesting, um, at the beginning of the offseason, uh, Richard Fleming suggested um, a lineup that included Price uh, in the midfield and Cabral, Yapi, Rubio, Harris across the front and Galvan, Wilson, Maxo, Rosenberry, and Nicholson across the back, meaning it's effectively a one central midfielder lineup with four kind of forwards, right? Cabral, Yapi, Rubio, and Harris. And I thought that was clinically insane. I love Richard. I think that that's clinically insane in a crazy like a fox kind of way. But I do think that you have to ask questions about even if we go with the three guys 
that um, I'm most excited about going into the season, which is um, Ronan, Bassett, and Price. That leaves you with some serious defensive holes in the midfield that I that I really worry about, um, and that's why I think um, Brian Acosta will be probably very useful to this team and will get probably about a thousand minutes. Although he had a lot of time last year where he was playing the Jack Price role, where he was asked to to ping balls and so on. Um, the oddest of odd men out in this rollout are um, Max Alves, Ralph Prizo. Brian Acosta and Ali LaRoz. I do think they'll probably be 500 minutes or more for either Alves um, or Acosta. I, or I think Alves will get moved on or Prizo will get moved on. Um, and I don't think we'll see Ali LaRoz up with the senior team barring a bunch of injuries. So that's a big, um, that's a big bummer for me because I'm a huge Ali LaRoz fan. I think he brings a lot to the table. Uh, especially as a tough-in-the-tackle kind of player who is really harassing. But he's got to get his timing back in at the highest level. Um, the other thing about Lebron is he slips a ball in a certain way that's very different than the way other players make passes. Um, I remember watching pretty much all of his passes in his first season, and he just doesn't he doesn't look the same as other players. That was also, by the way, an observation I made with the way Cole Bassett makes runs and the way he dribbles, that he he has a shimmy... And he ha- he has take ons and he has movements that are just different than the way other players approach the game that I was very excited about. So um, those are my senses of of who's in and who's out in the Rapid Central midfield. Let's turn it over to question number four, um, and this one I am asking back at you, Matt. Um, number four: Jack Price is healthy and ready to go. Maxu is tall and good in the air. Will the Rapids regain the crown as the set piece kings? of major league soccer they better dang it (laughs) um (laughs) jack price back healthy the uh, brian acosta eventually by the end of the season i think ultimately adjusted to and became a serviceable set beast taker but just you know so many years you know what was it three years in a row mark with chris sharpie with jack price and a number of very good players they had in the air whether it was forwards whether it was center backs who were coming up that's not a fluke at this point that is something that when you have everybody healthy when you have everybody executing when chris sharpie is doing the you know dossiers that he is on opposing teams and making adjustments mid games in between corners at sometimes that is something that is pr- proof of concept that that's happening if jack price is healthy and providing service then there's the balls are going to be in a way better position Law of Zubibukar obviously was fantastic on set pieces. Danny Wilson, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, no goals in 2022 in MLS play as well. So that's a disappointment. That's something that we'd like to see improve. And obviously, prior to Giassi's artist, his arrival obviously is shuffling up from the forward position. But you have to thank Diego Rubio, who is extremely effective extremely effective on corners and set pieces and crosses despite his height has to be getting in there that has to be something Kevin Cabral has to be thinking about though that won't be the typical Cabral goal that won't be the main place where he gets his own and you have to think Maxu coming in from all the highlights that I've seen Mark and from all the people in the media and the fan base over at Bromby who thought he was very very good in both boxes in the air that he has to be getting on a few of them as well that if everything goes according to plan right now and people stay healthy and they execute that the Rapids should be able to score that you know Jack Price should be able to get you five to eight at least at least eight potentially five or ten set piece primary assist that you have as well and I I think set pieces again are going to be an extremely effective way for the Colorado Rapids to get goals in which ob- 
obviously that we were missing this time uh, last season. Speaking of Max Sue, Mark, um, who's playing at center backs? Uh, is it a back four or is it a back three? We talked earlier prior to Andreas Max Sue's arrival about a number of young center backs. You had Gustavo Vallecia, who got some minutes but didn't really impress last season. Mike Edwards, who was mostly with Rapids 2. Daniel Chacon potentially moving up from uh, MLS Next Pro to MLS as well. There's a number of young center backs that you have in there. Moise Bombito, who Mark, uh, our good friend Chris Zitterpart, dropped a uh, YouTube compilation reel on him a couple weeks ago, uh, and I watched that earlier today. Uh, Bombito looked pretty good for, you know, University of New Hampshire standards and everything. Do one of the young center backs uh, break into the lineup like Trusty did in 2021? Rabbi, what is going on at Sentry back? It really depends, Matt, on whether they're going to spend much time in a back three. Because I think a back three gives a lot of questions, gives a lot of opportunity for some of the younger players to play. I think the most likely... I think they'll probably play more with two center backs this year with Rosenberry on the right and Gersback on the left. And what that means is you've only got two spots for, I think, six or seven center backs. And that's and, and it really looks like there's some tight competition. I also think a couple of these guys might be expendable um, to a degree that uh, I'm a little concerned about because this roster is very, very full. So, uh, and a lot of guys are not going to be happy that they're, they're not going to get enough playing time. Um, so I think that Maxu has pretty much the de facto starting spot, uh, for one of the two positions. The, the first battle, uh, that is then immediately available is that other starter. And that's going to be between Danny Wilson and Lalas Abubakar. Now, Abubakar made a few kind of regular, errors in play um you know bad tackles uh uh late late challenges losing his head um bad timing whatever you want to call it danny wilson's issue is that his uh outright foot speed is no longer what it used to be and so he doesn't quite look uh as reliable as he used to be but what he gives you is an incredible out of the back um passing ability so you you kind of give up or you or you you give up a little bit with one or the other and the best way to solve that problem matt is you play three at the back and you play all three of them right maxo um uh wilson and abubakar that still leaves you with a couple of really talented young players who aren't going to be getting minutes. That's Abubakar Keita, who I'm very excited about. I remember watching his highlight reels from, you know, he got injured at the very beginning of last year, so we never really saw him play. But when he was playing with Columbus two years ago in 2021, he looked really good. And I was really excited about his ability to kind of come in and serve as like part of a new Ghanaian wall in the back line, which would have been really fun. Um, Matt, you're high on Bombito, and I think that, that that tracks. I mean, a couple of years ago, the Rapids turned over a lot of significant minutes to uh, Courtney Ford in just his rookie season, and he mostly um, did well with it. Now, that being said, that was a terrible season, and the Rapids had nothing to lose in rolling out Ford, both at center back and even at right back when they desperately needed to. So, But Bombito coming in would be really great. I don't think we're going to see much of Michael Edwards this year. I don't think we're going to see much of Gustavo Vallecia. I think Gustavo Vallecia is a uh, effectively a, a traffic cone for training. I mean, he's he's there to be in the second and the third team, 
and to push folks um, until he gets frustrated and they move on from him. But, um, but you know, he, he, I could be wrong, and I, I like being wrong. The last option here, Matt, is that Keegan Rosenberry is 29 years old um, and is starting to, be, to become the kind of player who, if you're going to play with real wingbacks and you're really going to get players like Brian Galvan um, and Sam Nicholson, you know, roaming up and down as attacking wide players, um, you really like to have Keegan Rosenberry as effectively a center back in that setup because he's really uh, a very good stay-at-home defender. Um, so, and I think also, speaking of which, like Keegan Rosenberry converting over to a full-time center back in the next two seasons is almost a foregone conclusion. Um, he's just, you know, very few guys could still get up and down um, short of DeMarcus Beasley um, at an advanced age. And so um, I see that as a possibility. That's that's what I think uh, is, is going on back there. Matt, you wanted to add something at center back. Follow-up question I'll ask Rabbi. So I think we agree Max Sue's the Max Sue's the lock-in starter in the long term. Which other center back do you think plays the most minutes, given your assumption, Rabbi, yeah. that it's a back four? So for me, it's um, for me it's Abubakar and um, Lalas Abubakar, not the other Abubakar, um, and and that's a hard choice because I think I'll, when when I look on Twitter and I look on Reddit at what fans think, a lot of fans have always been really frustrated with um, Lalas Abubakar, and that's because you you know I've been watching the Rapids long enough and watching Rapids Twitter long enough to know that fans have long memories for mistakes. They have long memories for ill-timed tackles and red cards and penalty kicks. And that's just how it is with a, with a defender, right? Like defenders are like, they're supposed to be flawless and error-free and they get just absolutely gutted otherwise. I mean, the math said that um, uh, Austin Trusty was a really, really good defender in his final year with the Rapids. Most Rapids fans will only remember the final five weeks of his time when he didn't seem like he was trying all that hard. And in, I think, three of those five games, he made some really critical errors, which cost the, the team the game. But they forgot about the, like, 20 games before that when he was spectacular. So that's just how the memory works. Um, and to that point, I think I think Abubak, uh, Lalas Abubakar gets the second most minutes. Um, and then after that, uh, it will be Danny Wilson. But I expect Danny Wilson to be under 2,000 minutes this year. All right. Here we go, Matt. Uh, we're going to you for what I think is question number six. Um, so, Porrick Smith, Robin Frazier, the general manager and the uh, coach slash manager manager, would say one of the biggest issues last year was conceding too many goals. The Rapids conceded 54 goals last year. It was 13th out of 14 teams in the Western Conference. Basic, uncharacteristic mistakes happened and got punished. Matt, does that improve how and why? Better, dang it. Um, <laughs> well, for starters, Mark, I think the center backs got a lot of stick last year for what went wrong. And I think we need to acknowledge both Danny Wilson and Lawson Bukar, to a lesser extent, Keegan Rosenberry's very real and understandable, understandable limitations. And a lot of the issues that happened last year was you didn't have the midfield foundation in front of them to where they constantly got exposed. You'll remember, Mark, in the for in the two year the first two years of Jack Price under a head coach who we will not name on this podcast anymore, of <laughs> issues of 
assignment and position and just structure in the midfield that ultimately exposed the back three center backs to constantly put be put in 1v1 situations where ultimately they got punished and looked very bad due to stuff being bad in front of them. You talked about earlier how the midfield is going to be better. I have to think that takes away some of the load from a defensive structure standpoint on the center backs, regardless if it's a back three, a back five, a back four, and who is the center back in that role as well. The concern that I do have, Rabbi, is I think we know with where he is at from an age standpoint and just all the data that we have on him that Lalo Bubakar is what he is. He's 27 now. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rabbi. I might have that wrong. Rabbi's nodding, so. folks. Um, you know, he's at least 25. So it's not like he's markedly going to improve as a player. We know what he is. There's, you know, some error bars in terms of how far up or how far down he can go. But that's who he's at. Um, we know what Danny Wilson is. Danny Wilson is on the wrong side of 30. What he is going to be capable of being from a physical standpoint is going to be the level that he's been at for the last 18 months and is gradually going to deteriorate. And then similarly, I think the beat's been out for a long while now on William Yarbrough what he is, what he isn't. We know that he's not an elite shot stopper in MLS. His best value that we see defensively that I got a up close and personal look at during the COVID season when it was like me and 50 other people who weren't actually in the team in the handful of those games in the back half of the 2020 season was he's normally the second loudest player on the pitch between both teams and both benches, both coaching benches. And the only person who's regularly louder than him is Jack Price. William Yarbrough's greatest skill on the team is seeing something the opponent is doing, communicating that in a way that helps them react to and prevent fires rather than actually trying to put out a fire once it's actually started. Then the Rapids are in trouble. Midfield's in trouble, was in trouble last year. Center backs, other than Maxu, obviously could be very much in trouble. William Yarbrough, some games he'll be fantastic, like at DC United, where he saved a penalty and stood on his head, and other games where he's a good leader, but ultimately is picking the ball out of the back of his net. That's the concern that I have, Rabbi. Is Yarbrough is Danny Wilson based on their ages? Is this the best that it's going to get? And it's only going to get worse from here. Has Lost Bubakar peaked now? And do we have to deal with the very real and plausible um, weaknesses clearly that he does have? I think Lawless can be better. I think Lawless can still be a very good center back for the Rapids when you build around his weaknesses and put cover where you're able to cover them and everything. I think you can still work with that. I think, obviously, I think Max Sue is coming in at the age to where this is the long-term replacement for Danny Wilson. I think gradually you'll see Danny get faded out. Maybe not this year, but certainly with the other young center backs as well. Um, I don't think Danny is long for the duration of the rest of his contract that that will be his starter. At some point down the line, he's going to become what Drew Moore has been, which could be wonderful and could work for him and his family and where he's at from a contract standpoint. Or he might say, you know what, I'll go back to Scotland if it's really okay with you, Robin and and pork. So I think Max is going to be great. I think the midfield is going to be much better. That will reduce the pressure and the stresses and the loading on the center backs and everything. I'd like to see the team build around some of the weaknesses for Lalo Bubakar. I'd like to see the coaching staff work in a way to where he's not the uh, you know, irresponsible chaos monster that sometimes he's at to his biggest weakness, albeit that can be one of his biggest strengths. And I'd like to see them work in some of the other center backs. I still believe the Rapids will be much better from a defensive standpoint. So we, we've put out predictions here, Rabbi, so I will throw it in. I will say the Rapids will be roughly mid-table in the Western Conference in goals conceded this season. There are, what, 14 teams now with... Uh, 
St. Louis City coming in. So I will say at worst, they concede. I will say at worst, they are the uh, they are ninth in terms of goal conceded. And I will say at best, they are fourth. I do not know that the Rapids are set up right now. I think 2021 was their peak on so many levels in terms of individual performers and that team and that year being special. I do not know that the Rapids will be the clean sheet and the defensive goals against champions of the Western Conference yet this year. Let's move on, Rabbi, to question number seven. Speaking of all those goals conceded, Rabbi, uh, the Rapids won only one game on the road all of last year, and even then it was a very unconvincing 5-4 victory over a New York Red Bulls B team on a rando Tuesday night. Um, They have to be better on the road, right? How do they go about doing that? Nice. Uh, Before we turn to that, Matt, we're going to do our plug for our uh, work. And Matt, you'll be pleased to know that I've actually written something for the first time in my entire advertising career as uh, a holding the Highline ad executive. Can I can I get the kind of like assistant ad portfolio, especially officially added to my responsibilities at the at the corporation from holding the Highline Media dot com? Uh, sure, Mark, we will we will add that to your resume in addition to you being our union rep. <laughs> awesome. Uh uh, okay. And here we go. Folks, we are supported by you, our loyal listeners to this year podcast. We love doing this. We love following the Rapids, driving out to training, flying to road games, and interviewing players. We love spending our day off on our from our day jobs, writing soccer articles for holding the Highline Substack. But we also love to pay our rent and occasionally hoist a pint provided by our listeners as a thank you for our efforts. So if you can, help us out by subscribing to our Substack. You can become a paid supporter, a.k.a. a Highliner, by putting in just $5 a month or $42 a year. A yearly subscription will get you some discounted or free merch from us this year, a beer mug or stein, patent pending, design pending, and some behind-the-paywall articles. You'll be supporting citizen soccer journalism, and we appreciate it. Yeah. To do that, you can go to the holdingthehighline.substack.com, uh, click the subscribe button, and when it asks if you'd like a free membership, a monthly membership, a yearly membership, or to give us a billion dollars so we can start our own USL2 team, uh, you can choose the $42 option. I mean, I don't mind if you want to give us a USL2 team, but Matt, we would then have to fight over which city it will wind up being in. It would probably wind up somewhere in the middle, and I don't think either of us really wants to be running a soccer team in southern Indiana. That doesn't sound like fun at all for either you or me. Um, okay, with that... Do we want to put a team in... Would we put the team in Pueblo or would we put the team in Grand Junction, Rabbi? That's not midway for me or you. That's really okay. far for me. <laughs> okay, um, fine. No, I'd want to put my team in, in in the south side of Pittsburgh, in, in Homestead, and I'd like to name them the Homestead Graves. Listeners, like, we would love for you to give us money. Do not give us USL Championship expansion team money. Yeah. And expect uh, a USL championship team. Speak for yourself, Matt. I wouldn't take I wouldn't mind taking a hundred million dollars from a listener. All right. Anyways, you asked me a question. It was about the road games last year, and our one road game run on the road was a five to four mess of a game against New York Red Bull. Um uh and uh you then said they've gotta be better on the road, right? So better on the road i mean you've made you've you've made the point that it's like incredibly relative right they were so 
god-awful on the road last year that they can't possibly be worse. I don't really understand what it is to be worse on the road than it is at home. Um, this is a consistent thing. I did an article about this last year for the Substack, um, trying to figure out what it is about road versus home that is so different. It's not like the fan atmosphere is so different. Um, the, the, the Occam's razor simple explanation is road teams will struggle at the altitude in Colorado. But the problem with that theory is the reciprocal doesn't apply, which is you would think that the Colorado Rapids would do very well on the road because they're down at sea level, they're sucking in bonus red blood cell oxygen, they're able to run through brick walls and run till their you know, uh, opponent's lungs pop. And that doesn't happen. Now, maybe that's tactical, that opposing teams don't run as much. Um, or maybe it's psychological. Maybe the Rapids just get nervous on the road and don't play very well. Maybe it's a snowball effect, right? You lose three, four games on the road. Suddenly, every time you walk into an opposing locker room, you get the, the yips and the heebie-jeebies, and you just can't function. Um, you know, there's a Hebrew expression, um, change of place, change of luck. And changing the players may change your luck at the places that you've not had luck at before. So I think a new influx of, of players might help that. You've got Cabral, you've got Gersbach, you've got Ronan, you've got Maxo, you've got um, Harris, all of whom are probably going to make some serious first-team starting minutes contributions. You've also got a core of players who feel really comfortable with each other. You've got uh, kind of a very interesting Cole Bassett, who is both a youngster and a veteran at the same time. He's 21 years old. Um, but he's also, uh, you know, been in Major League Soccer for a few years. He's seen Europe. He's coming home. He's probably playing in a much more comfortable atmosphere. At least he'll be um, on a team where one of, uh, you know, the, the, the he's not going to be uh, dealing with uh, the kind of like, you know, uh, uh, ultra chaos that you some get in the Belgian and Dutch leagues. Um, you know, I, I I would personally be a little bit nervous uh, going to my first game, watching 10,000 screaming fans uh, throw uh, smoke at riot cops. Like, that That probably changes the way you approach a soccer game. So, anyways, I, I think they'll probably be better on the road. Um, the Rapids need to be probably more like 500 on the road to wind up making the playoffs. A thing we have not talked about yet, um, and we'll just mention sideways because there's nothing new to report, is there reports out from folks at The Athletic that uh, I think it's Stachel and Tenorio who are always doing this kind of top-level reporting that they're looking at having I think it was nine teams from each conference in the playoffs and going with like a play-in game that cuts down to seven players playing like a a round three, of three a round of three you know which might be little groups of three or it might just be you know, kind of like a best of three series, which apparently, you know, I didn't really know this because it was before my time, but it was the way the early days of MLS actually did things. Um, some folks really like that idea, the, the best of three idea. The only problem I have with it is if you're playing a whole season of 34 games and you lose more games than you win and you still make the playoffs, then what was the point of the regular season? This has been a problem that the NBA and Major League Baseball have both confronted, which is you can be mediocre and still go to the playoffs, then what was the point of the regular season? So I'm not a big fan of that, but I will say that the Rapids need to be um, 
uh, basically mediocre on the road. They need to be 500 on the road. I don't think they're going to do that, but I would expect they'd be 333 on the road. I think they'll, you know, uh, win three or four games um, and lose eight or nine games on the road with the rest of it being draws. And I think that that's, that's uh, not great. Uh, it's an improvement, but, uh, you know, four, four wins on the road uh, really is a lot better um, and it would have pretty much gotten them into the playoffs uh, if they had done that last year. All right, with that, onward. Uh, question number eight for you, Matthew. What role players step up in the attack? We know that there's big expectations for Cabral and Rubio, as well as Price on set pieces. Lewis, super sub? Nicholson's look good in preseason. Galvan's healthy. Yapi and Harris, are they coming out to party? Who's that third and fourth role player? who is giving the Rapids five, six, seven, maybe eight goals as a contribution this year? Lots of good questions in there, Rabbi. I'll try to tackle them um, in order. You know, I, I do think the Rapids, uh, unlike last year where it was basically, you know, it was Diego Rubio doing his thing. Jossie's artist mostly being up and down in form, like scoring in bunches. You know, he had two goals in two games. He had a brace in another game. He obviously had that hat trick against Minnesota, you know, it was him. He was streaky. And then for the most part, you just had inconsistency or the occasional goal from pretty much all the other role players you had around the team as well. And now I think there's a proper like cast that you have. So if you think about the other teams in MLS, it's often, you know, one or two really key DP players. It's a really good player that is a, uh, a Robin to that Batman and like a bunch of other henchmen as well. You know, Ethan Finley, Mark, we remember when he was with Columbus crew and to a lesser extent recently with, um, uh, with Minnesota United, he is a really great fourth piece to have on the team. If he's the second most important attacker, then less so from a good standpoint. Why has Diego Fagundes had such a good renaissance in the latter part of his career with Austin FC? It's because he is the Robin to Driussi as Batman, and he's a really great role player who you can get you to- 10 goal contributions, but I do not think the Rapids should be trading a million dollars in general allocation money to... Austin FC for Diego Fagundes and expecting Fagundes to come here and be the man. He's a really good backup dancer. He's a really good understudy. He is not the guy. So I'm going to list off a few guys, Rabbi, who I think are in that similar tier. And the Rapids have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, potentially 10 of those guys. Rabbi, I'm not sure Diego Rubio had more than three or four at any given point last season. And I'm including Zardis in that. So we just mentioned Gold Bassett, Connor Ronan, obviously, Brian Galvan, assuming he's not an outside back position Harrison Yappi coming off the bench you've got Michael Barrios you've got Sam Nicholson you've got Max Alves and Jonathan Lewis potentially as well that is not I think I might have counted wrong Mark rather than having uh, rather than having 10 it's nine excuse me so and I have to assume most of those guys none of those guys you're not going to have nine of those guys on the field obviously I didn't list any defenders there unless we're putting Galvan at the outside back position as well and even that's not on the midfielders since we're not counting price so of that mark you know I think if Galvan's in mostly a right winger or an attacking midfielder role could he get 10 goal contributions maybe he'd at least going to get you five Sam Nicholson off the bench should get you you know should get you at least a handful Barrios probably also as well I know we've kind of poo Max a little bit on this podcast so far, Rabbi, given how we've talked about midfield depth. But even Jonathan Lewis, if he has to lean into being the super sub role coming on for Kevin Cabral, we've seen him be extremely effective on the road for Robin Fraser and certainly at home. Should he be able to get five goal contributions? Absolutely. So of this group that I have, Mark, 
Bassett, Ronan, Galvan, Harris, Yappi, Nicholson, Barrios, Max, Lewis. That is a total of nine players. I'm going to say in those nine guys, you have at least two guys that get you double-digit goal contributions, and I'm going to say at least another three that get you five goal contributions. And barring a long-term, like, season-ending injury or being loaned out, Rabbi, I will say every single one of those nine players get you at least three three goal contributions on the season. Those are really, really good numbers, Rabbi, and I feel really confident about some of those guys hitting. And if you combine that with Rubio giving you at least 15, given that he got, what, 23 last season, and if Cabral can get to double digits, that's a pretty good offense combined with what is at least going to be a mid-table goals against contribution from the defense for the Rapids. With that, Rabbi, we'll move on to question number nine. Rabbi, can we finally get a cup run? The last time the Rapids were in a quarterfinal in the Open Cup was 2006. That's basically a million years ago. Um, They are one Mukhtar hamstring injury away from probably being favorites to get into the knockout stages of League's Cup. Can we finally see something good happen to the Burgundy boys in cup competition? Or are we just going to get railhawked twice? So it's been a long time since the Colorado Rapids even won a game in the Open Cup. Uh, in 2022, last year, they uh, lost in their first match against Minnesota United, although because they had such a good year in 2021, they skipped a bunch of rounds, but they still didn't win any games. Um, the previous season that they played was 2019. In 2019, the Rapids, in their first, uh, the first round that they entered into, which is the fourth round, uh, they drew... Uh, lower lower tiered New Mexico United and then lost four to two on penalty kicks. That was a pretty painful one. Um, in 2017, they uh, lost to FC Dallas, but at least we played a game against the lower seed and won, getting a three two comeback win over USL's Oklahoma City. Um, and in 2016, we also got a win over uh, local opponents, uh, Colorado Springs. But overall, we've got a miserable history uh, in the U.S. Open Cup um, up till last year. Let's see, uh, counting last year, uh, the team has a 13-21 and 21 record in the quest for Lamar Hunt's grail. Um, and our overall record against MLS teams is 4-10 and 10 in the Open Cup. So it's really bad. Um, I did this last year. I will do it again, and maybe this time I will be right. It just a broken watch cannot be right. It cannot be wrong every minute of the day. At some point, it's going to be right. Um, why not this season? The Rapids can put together a cup run. They just need a little bit of luck. They need to pick the right, you know, kind of uh, irregular bench players. They need a few uh, young guys to really be charged up. And they need their opponent to um, not rise to the challenge. I think often lower league teams get really excited and fired up to play um, a major league soccer team. And they usually come at it like a bat out of hell for 70 minutes and it doesn't last. The question is, can the Rapids kind of endure those first 70 minutes and keep going in that first game that they'll play? Can they beat an MLS team in that second round that they're going to play against the MLS team? Um, Can they just keep going, um, you know, maybe three, three games in to the sweet 16 or to the final eight. I think we can make a run. I think we can go to the, the, to the elite eight or the final four this year. 
Um, it just is mathematically improbable to be as bad as this team is. They're not that bad. Um, they just somehow have never really had a tournament mentality. Robin Fraser is a talented coach. He can figure out with the coaching staff what a uh, tournament mentality looks like. And I think everybody really understands that a cup is on the line, and it's a cup that the club has never won in its team's history. And eventually that's going to count for something. All right, with that, uh, this is an exciting question. I, I'm, I'm jealous, Matt, that you get it. Because um, it's, it's the kind of nerdery that you and I really like, which is as much as we like talking about soccer, we like talking about punditry or broadcasting about soccer. We, all, we like soccer coverage, and we like talking about soccer coverage. So here's the question. Apple TV MLS Season Pass is here. You can go and buy it if you already have Apple TV for $79. If you don't have Apple TV, it's a DVD. It's TVD. TV, it's $99. Um, Apple TV MLS Season Pass is here. There's some improvements coming to the game day experience at Dick's Sporting Goods Park. Will these and a better product on the field lead to the growth of the fan base. Mark, do you remember what was the very next game that happened after Don't Block My Altitude started in 2019? What was the first game that happened after that? What was the significance of that game is maybe the more important question. The first game after Don't Block My Altitude in 2019? Started in August. That's what I was about to say. My first guess is, uh, did they play Atlanta... Uh, he said something about we're playing at the bottom with the bottom group of players and the coach was fired. No, it was right after the Rocky Mountain Cup and right after Robin Frazier's hiring. So oh. in the Robin Frazier era of the Colorado Rapids, the only games that consistently fans have been able to watch have been the games on national TV, the playoff games and the games from the MLS's back tournament that have not had geo blocking or have been on a, you know, a major broadcast channel that you have or if you have Ivaca or some of the many other ways in which one can get altitude or get ESPN plus whilst being in uh, in the 303 area code whilst uh, not having uh, direct TV is the VPN. best way. That- <laughs> is the best way that I can say that. So, you know, the, the mark that that's extended to the entire, you know, uh, I think it's a valid question. I would love to see these numbers. Apple TV will never give that to me on the record. I'm not sure the Rapids would even be open to that. I think it's a very valid question. What percentage of like fans or potential fans have just flat out not like seen what maybe 10 games of this team from August 2019 until now? How many fans just flat out have a really hard time seeing this team? on the road because obviously they can go to home games in person. So um, I I think there's an opportunity to connect with the fan base in a, in a completely different way. I think the fact that it's super accessible in being on a major streaming platform with one of the, uh, you know, major tech companies and not one of the ones that's in a bunch of hot water about stuff recently um, is certainly uh, fantastic. I think the fact that I know Mark, um, you know, the, I'm sure you saw rabbi, the news that came out, what, like 40%, of games are not going to be behind a paywall at all. There's not a whole lot of clarity in terms of how the league and how Apple TV is determining that. Are they going to prioritize games on certain days or certain time slots? Are they going to spread that out evenly to the point where over the course of the season, every single team gets roughly the same number of games not behind the paywall? You know, I I think if Apple TV is, if Apple is smart and MLS is smart, they should say pick it in matchups or times that is going to help us grow. I could see where it'd be relatively easy for Apple to say, we're doing what's going to help us get subscribers. Let's focus on markets where we're already big to convince those uh, fan bases in those markets to even 
double down on us in ways they haven't. And ergo, the same reason, Mark, that lots of Sounders and Timbers and LAFC and, um, you know, in Philadelphia, maybe Philadelphia Union or Atlanta home games are on Sundays on FS1 or on ESPN or on QDN. Um, Maybe they'll prioritize that. So we haven't got a lot of information on that yet, but just the fact that there isn't an immediate blackout and it's at a reasonable price point. You know, if you think about it, Mark, assuming you don't go to any home games this season, you know, and you're paying the full, let's, let's assume the full price and everything. So 99, 99 bucks, you're paying roughly $3 a Rapids game. If you're only watching the Rapids game, let's say you got season tickets as well. Well, if you have season tickets, then you don't have to worry about that uh, because it's already paid for. But let's just say you're just watching the, you know, 17 away games, then you're paying $6 a game, which, you know, you would still think is a little bit out there. But, you know, let's say then you're watching the occasional other MLS game. Mark, if we were to go back and look at it, like 2013, 2014, when I was paying, what, 75 bucks a year for the entire um, uh, uh, MLS Live broadcast you have, if you looked at it on like a per game that I watched more than like 60 minutes of and everything, I was probably paying like 40 cents a game or something like that. For the MLS sickos out there, folks, you legitimately are going to be paying cents on the dollar for a game and everything. And so I have to think that's going to make it. I have to think that's going to get the fan base more engaged, that it's going to bring new fans in. It's going to be easier for fans to get involved. And just the fact that the the team is more accessible and has more content with all the other green stuff. Uh, Mark, I had a really good chat um, with Jordan Angeli earlier today talking about her role, what she's doing with Rapids, what she's doing with Apple TV. And there's going to be a lot of other stuff on there, folks. If you compare that to days past where if you go to the club social media platforms or the club website, you know, occasionally you'll get the, you know, um, train, you know, on the sideline of the training pitch the day or two before the game, talking to a player, talking to Robin Frazier with roughly the same types of questions, kind of basic stuff and everything. Uh, you know, every couple weeks, there'll be an episode of Elevate that's dropped and maybe some other fun social media and stuff and everything. There will be hours of content by the end of the MLS season, just specifically on the Rapids, on the Rapids homepage and everything. I have to think that that's going to help grow the sport tremendously. And I have to think with what I reported on, you know, earlier last week with the help of Dave Wagner about um, how despite what was, I think, fairly said by Juan in his op-ed over at Burgundy Wave, um, that the club clearly understands so many things. They and the supporters group are working together to create the game day atmosphere. And for the first time in probably years, certainly since the start of COVID, All of the other players that you have within the stadium and around the stadium are in the same direction, on the same page, and want the same things. And that is a massive improvement in terms of where we were in 2019, where we were going into 2020. I have to think that leads to a better pregame during in-game and post-game experience out at DSG and Commerce City. And I have to think it's going to be way easier and more fun to follow the Rapids virtually on your devices, on social media, on Apple TV, midweek, and certainly for the road games as well. With that, Rabbi, I will bring it to our last question, a question that both of us will answer. Yep. Mark, uh, we know where the Rapids are in terms of the hierarchy and the tiers of MLS. We know where they are from a financial standpoint. That, by many metrics and, me- and much punditry, makes us believe then that the Rapids have a clearly defined ceiling in Major League Soccer, that they can get to the playoffs in an advantageous situation at home against a weekend team. They can win a playoff game. But fundamentally, this is a team that when they get to it, if they were to get to a conference final, would get run over by a better team with more stars and way more money and a team that realistically does not have a chance of winning MLS Cup or winning a trophy. 
Let's start with the basics here, Rabbi. Can the Rapids finally get over the hump and for the first time since 2016 win a playoff game and potentially legitimately compete for any major trophy? (sighs) So uh, back to my original question uh, at the top of this uh, starting 11 questions for the 2023 season um, and the negativity that I bring. I really like this team. I like the players they've got. I like the the potential for development here. I I have basically mentally slotted this team for ninth, which is weird because based on what's been revealed earlier um, in the last couple of weeks about the potential changes to the playoffs. By the way, for this season, Matt, like we're not sure what the playoff structure is, and the season opens in uh, thirteen days. That's kind of weird. I hope they tell us how the playoffs are going to shake out before the season starts. But it's Major League Soccer. They could just decide in June to slip a series of envelopes across a table and say, the playoff situation is in one of those. Pick one, Don Garber, um, because that's the way MLS is. But anyways, ninth is right on the cusp, because as, a certain, as it currently stands, as the playoffs have been in the past, that would mean the Rapids didn't make the playoffs. And based on what we've heard... Ninth or eighth would be good enough to get the Rapids into the playoffs. Still, that means that, like, you're banking on, like, finishing at the very, very back end to get into the playoff game. The play-in, sorry, the play-in game. And then the Rapids have to, you know, kind of win that one. I think the Rapids can win a play-in game against an opponent. Um, I think, you know, any anything can happen uh, when you get to that stage of the season. And the Rapids have some really talented players, but... You know, what you need to carry yourself through to an MLS Cup final is real star power. I mean, you really have to have someone who cometh the man, cometh the hour. I mean, that is exactly what MLS Cup looked like last year. One of the best MLS Cups, arguably the best MLS Cup in the history of the league, in which Philadelphia had just a, a, a cavalcade of stars and L.A., FC just had a ridiculously talented ball club and wound up ground, grinding it out to get the W um, at the end in on penalty kicks after 120 minutes. Just a fantastic final. The Rapids just don't have that caliber of player. They don't have one guy who's going to put the whole team on their shoulders. They don't have two or three guys who are going to put the team on their shoulders. And so the best we can hope for is even making the playoffs. And after that, even one win in the playoffs would be, uh, you know, a, a, a moral victory for this team. That's why I, I think season after season put all my eggs into the basket of U.S. Open Cup, which is kind of the little brother of trophies. You know, it's a winnable trophy for teams that are not kind of equipped to win it all. That's why the Houston Dynamo won it a couple seasons ago, because they weren't the best team in Major League Soccer, but they were a good team. And so they deserved to win kind of a... a a, a different kind of trophy, a tournament-level trophy. Matt, give us your answer to this question. Will you be the, the, the ray of sunshine in my dark cloud over this coming season? I don't know that it'll be a, a ray of sunshine. So, listeners, I'm currently working through my... Every single year before the start of the season, I put out my predictions, one through whatever, of how I think each of the conferences is going to go. Right now, I am leaning the Rapids. I, I think the Rapids will be a playoff team. So, I'll, I'll, I'll say that right now, Rabbi. I think the Rapids make the playoffs this season. 
my ceiling for them right now is fifth. I'm probably most likely Ooh. going to put them sixth. I think Austin's better than them. I think LAFC is better than them. I think two of the three between Sporting Kansas City, Dallas, and RSL are going to be better. I'm wondering who to put else in there, Mark. I'm kind of – I'm waiting for the LA Galaxy to do something given the exodus that they've had of players recently, and I'm increasingly not convinced that they're going to do that. And I don't know if you've heard, Mark, but Emmanuel Reynoso apparently has some – hot water situations down in South America that has prevented him from joining the team yet in preseason. And I'm wondering if that going to jail, I I wonder if that's uh, turning into something more than maybe it has as well. Potentially, I think Vancouver's better, but not great. Obviously, we don't have to worry about Nashville. That's like Vancouver's slogan as a team. Better, not great. Yes, and I think Seattle's going to be much better this season. I know a lot of people think that Portland's going to be better with what's his name, Evander or whatever his name is, who they brought in. But I still feel like they are one Chara and one Blanco, like soft tissue or hamstring injury away from just the season completely falling off the wagon like it did last year. And at some point, those pervert, at some point, father time has to come for that mid to late 30s core and everything. So I think the Rapids make the playoffs, but... I, I don't have them finishing fourth, Mark, which means I don't have them having a home playoff game. And we know the types of teams that they're going to play in that situation. So if, if I had to bet right now, do I think the Rapids win a playoff game this season? I'm going to have to say no on from a betting money standpoint. Are there certain situations and certain opponents and matchups? And if there's an injury to a key player, can they absolutely do it? I think I think absolutely they can get there by the end of the year. I need to see a little bit more. Granted, all of this pontificating, of course, folks, has happened through four preseason games in which we've gotten not even five minutes of highlight reel stuff. And all of these preseason predictions on our platform or others are essentially meaningless because we're all going on absolutely no data. And three weeks from now, every single one of us is going to have a prediction that it's going to come out looking completely stupid and we're all going to be issuing me a culpa. So I look forward to telling you that I'm wrong and the Rapids are going to win the quadruple after they f- open up the season 4-0, of course, to uh, predict on that but I think the Rapids make the playoffs they will not host a home playoff game at Dick's to open the whatever form of the playoffs look like and everything and I do not think they will be able to beat a higher seeded team certainly in the top four or five in the Western Conference and in that regard unfortunately it'll confirm what we've kind of known about MLS and the tiers of types of teams that win these trophies Mark I think unfortunately for a lot of fans in the markets like Colorado and San Jose and Sporting Kansas City and Montreal I think Philly winning MLS Cup last year was proof of concept that we could do it. And unfortunately, they weren't able to do because as good as Jack Elliott was, LAFC had funny money and Gareth Babel was able to score. And so that's something that I'm kind of worried out as we go into the future of MLS and future of CBAs with us gradually taking the training wheels off of single entity and then allowing the teams that are forward thinking that are ambitious that are uh, that are that want to push the league forward will continue to take the shackles off of those teams and teams and ownerships and markets that want to do that will just widen the gap between just realistically where the rapids are as, as happy as I am with the acquisitions that have come in this offseason as happy as I am that I think it's very obvious to fans where the club is allocating 
those fundings that they've gotten from Apple, from the UC Health sponsorship deal and everything, it can't compete with Garth Lagerwey coming in to Arthur Blank's office and saying, we absolutely need this guy. I need $10 million. And Arthur Blank whipping out a pen and writing the check immediately. And KSC is not doing that. And KSC is not doing that anytime soon. And the longer we go and the more they make these changes and everything, the bigger teams are going to continue to be able to spend in ways that the Rapids are not going to. And that's going to clearly define what their ceiling is in this team. Anything else we want to say, Rabbi, or shall we get out of here? Let's uh, wrap it up, Matt. I don't have that much battery left on my laptop. Listeners, you can follow us individually on Twitter at soccer underscore rabbi at LWS Matt Pollard and at Rapids 96 Podcast. You can check out all of our collective work, MLS soccer related or otherwise at Pittsburgh Soccer Now, Last Word on Sports, BurgundyWave.com and HoldingTheHighline.Substack.com. Head on over to our Substack and that is where you can also pay to become a uh, Substack subscriber, a Highliner for us, five bucks a month or 42 bucks for a year. That gets you behind the paywall. Um, and we're also working on some other evergreen, other content content that we could put for the people who are giving us money and everything and that is fantastic if you want to get in touch with us as i mentioned our dms are open you can hit us up on twitter you can send us your questions using the hashtag ask or in long form you can email us at rapids 96 podcast at gmail.com listeners i might be doing some interviews later this week so we might see you later this week but if nothing else next week ahead of previewing the colorado rapids opening season game at seattle sounders on february 26th we'll see you then it's here